You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station OCTalkRadio.net. If you're listening to the show in the future as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast time, heard exclusively here on this radio station. This show is brought to you by Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. Shows to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. If you're listening today live and you'd like to join in the conversation, well, good luck. It's easy to do. If you're listening to the program, waiting for Stephen Blythe, the Blythe Code, to be on the program, well, just hold on. He'll be on towards the bottom of the hour. Um, and if you're going to participate in the conversation, either with him or our first guest, Janice Hellman of OC, she'll be with us here in a minute. But first, let me tell you how to uh, participate in the conversation. Find octalkradio.net's website homepage go to the community chat room section there you can log in with your twitter handle and that will allow you to communicate with our engineer who today is paul roberts and paul will bring your thoughts and ideas to me on the other side of the glass here in the studio and possibly i can work them into either my interview with janice of oc breast wellness or later stephen blythe of blythe co let's turn our attention though to our first guest and janice i'd like to say welcome to critical mass radio show well thank you rick uh, let's start real simple ask us or tell us a little bit excuse me about your background your kind of your path to oc breast wellness well my path started in the 70s so that's a dead giveaway on my age isn't it I started out with a couple of really small businesses that I owned, and then my fifth business was actually my jackpot. I took a small data entry company, if you can remember what those were, and I turned it into a very, very large warranty claims processing company, actually the largest one in North America, for consumer electronics and appliance manufacturers. So that was really the corporate environment. I did that for about 27 years until I sold that company to a public company on the London Stock Exchange called Service Power. That put me in a non-compete. I'm sure a lot of us know what that's like. You work your whole life someplace and then you're told you can't do it anymore. Right. So I found something quite different, not in the field that I was in all my life, and it happened to be women's wellness. Talk about not competing. That's just from one side of the coin to the other. So that's how I found OC Breast Wellness. I'm intrigued. Um, you're a serial entrepreneur, and that's great. We love to have entrepreneurs on the program. I'm, I'm intrigued by your latest insurance. So I, I guess I would ask you to share with our audience a little bit more about, you know, if you could highlight the business and, and help us to understand, you know, what the particular focus that makes your um, firm different or differentiated in the market? Well, I'd be glad to do that. Thanks, Rick, for asking. You know, I started out in breast thermography. It was a small part of my husband's uh, firm. He did some breast thermography there, and I, I we, we started there. And there's a lot of controversy about breast thermography, but 
Now, patients like to have an alternative to the current uh, standard of healthcare, which is mammography. And during that couple of years that I was working in the thermography business, I was we were doing lots of research trying to see if there's something out there that could be a good adjunct to that technology. And I found, believe it or not, a technology called SureTouch. And I didn't even find it in this country. I found it in Canada, believe it or not. Only as I continued to research, found out that the inventor was right here in Los Angeles. And I gave him a call and said, you know, I'm, I told him about what I was doing and I said, you know, let's, you know, who's using this technology here in California? And, and he said, well, actually we're not using it in the United States. We're in quite a few other countries. I've got a few oncologists that are using it in their office. And I persuaded him to let me take it out to the field. So here I am. This is the first time this technology has been used con- business to consumer. We just started in August. We've seen a couple hundred women already. It's a tactile technology. So unlike mammography, it is actually just using the sense of touch that when placed on the skin generates an image of the breast tissue on a computer screen. So as the patient's actually having this exam, they can watch and have immediate results. There's absolutely no radiation, no compression, there's no pain. So that must make for a much more pleasant experience on the patient's part then, Janice. Oh, absolutely. I have such happy people. I imagine that is not a reason why people wouldn't go for their regular checkups, but I know it's part of the reason why people don't look forward, women don't look forward to the experience yeah, yeah, using the, the mammography. Yeah, the problem with current technology is you have to wait till you're 40, and breast cancer doesn't wait. So this exam, you can be a man, you can be a woman, you could be 20. Since it doesn't have radiation, there isn't any reason to wait till you're 40. So I just feel like I've been blessed with the with the tool that women can now have to find this hideous disease so much earlier than we've ever found it before. So let's talk about growing um, your business, OC Breast Wellness. Uh, tell us, talk to us a little bit about uh, what you're thinking about as far as growth. How does this technology uh, relate to not just women here in Southern California, but other parts of the country. What is your vision for the future? Well, currently, we're kind of piloting. And I, I use that term because we're really testing a lot of things. The price point, uh, the length of time it takes for the exam, the reactions from doctors, you know, their own physicians, uh, just how the office has to be set up, you know, the amount of time you need to make appointments. So we're in a pilot stage, and I think we're probably going to take us a good year to figure out, could we franchise this? Uh, do we want to just make OC breath wellnesses all over the country? Do we want doctors to maybe have us come out to their offices? So not only do I have a location here in Fountain Valley, but I spend every Tuesday in Burbank, and I spend every other Friday in San Juan Capistrano. So right now, it's a pilot is probably the best thing I can I can say. 
Is that, from your experience as an as a serial entrepreneur, the right way to kind of scale a business is do what you're doing with OC Breast Wellness? Well, I have to say that most of the businesses that I owned before had competition. They had um, previous experience. You have a data entry company, there's lots of data entry companies. I've had a software company, there's lots of software companies. I have a voice response company, there's others. So you have something to compare them to. But this is so different. This is the very, very first time we're bringing an exam out to women. We don't know what the reaction is. There's nothing to compare it to. There isn't anybody to compete against as far as price and and time. So... I'd have to say it's not my normal experience, and it's quite challenging. Wow, that's interesting, because most people wish they had less competition, but you're one of the few entrepreneurs who have been on the program, we've had over 600, who show the other side of what it means when you don't have direct competition. And I think some of the lessons that you shared there were um, shared by the other entrepreneurs who were on the program before you who uh, in some ways, wish they had a couple people, a couple competitors, so they could sort of see what others are doing and, and improve upon it, or at least have other people in the industry as well. Interesting. I'm sorry. We're going to take our first uh, sponsorship commercial break. When I come back, I'm going to ask you if you could uh, think about and talk with us any other current challenge that's facing your firm and uh, kind of you as you're moving this company through its early stages. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay right back. Janice will be back with us. We're talking about her firm, OC Breast Wellness, and you're listening to Critical Mass Radio. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. 
Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, talking with Janice of OC Breast Wellness. And Janice, I said before the break, I was going to ask you if there was any other challenges that you might be facing into in your early stage company, and I wonder if you could think of one that you would like to share with our audience. Oh, I sure would. Actually, there's lots of challenges. But what I think is really top is fear. You know, women are really afraid of this disease. I mean, one in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. So it's scary. And what is fear? What happens when you're afraid? You procrastinate and then you deny and say, oh, no, no, it can't be me. So I'm really in the education stage of the business. I have to teach women what this is all about and not scare them away from thinking, oh, my gosh, now a new breast exam. If they didn't find it in my mammogram, they're going to find it here. But that's not, that's not how we, we want to know. So that's my biggest challenge, you know, is fear and how to get over that so that women actually are comfortable and finally find a breast exam that they like. So have you found any secrets yet to addressing that challenge? No, you know, that's why I said it's education. I keep talking, I keep telling everybody the differences between the different kind of exams. Remember that radiation causes cancer. You know, please try to stay away from, you know, some of these tests that cause, that could actually increase your chances. They say the only thing that's very similar in risk factors between all women with breast cancer, 75% of them, it's just because they're a woman. So it doesn't have to run in your family and you don't have to carry the gene. Anybody can get breast cancer. That you're a female, huh? That's right. All right, let's, let's turn it a little different direction and focus back on you from a business perspective. As a serial entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had your moments with your prior companies. Um, could you share a little bit about uh, a painful business experience where you learned a really valuable lesson that you carry with you today? And could you kind of share that with our audience so they can benefit from your experience, Janice? Well, thank you very much for bringing up those old thoughts. <laughs> you know, I think something that we as entrepreneurs neglect, and I know I did it, is mentoring. Now, I always thought, I know it, I can do it myself, I don't need any help. But, you know, I miss the Internet. That sounds like a funny thing, but back in the 90s and 80s, I was so, so busy with my hundreds of employees and running a business around the clock that a competitor came along and did exactly what I did, but they did it online. And one Monday morning, I lost a million-dollar customer, just like that. So today, I'm a SCORE counselor. I work for the Orange County chapter of SCORE and mentor small businesses 
first thing I tell them is don't ever stop coming to mentoring. People with experience know so much. And when you're involved in a business, you're really in a box. And it's very hard to look outside. And though the first person might not give you the idea that you wanted or help you where you think you need, but somebody's going to help you. And don't ever give up on mentoring. I have a whole stack of mentors today, and I would not have been business without them. Never again. Yeah, it's like, what's the value of one good idea? You know, I, I my, in my experience, I believe in peer learning. That's why I do this radio show. I think we can learn so much from each other's experiences, and and some of it applies, and some of it maybe doesn't apply. But in the future, it's you know, it's beneficial to have that information. But, you know, you get a new idea or a new perspective from a peer or from a mentor, and it can change everything that happens after that point and maybe help you make better subsequent decisions as well, doesn't it? Yeah, we cannot let our big egos get in the way. <laughs> and it is, you know, when you're running a company, people who haven't had the opportunity to be a business owner or CEO or president or whatever, general manager, whatever the title might be, but they don't realize that it really can be uh, a lonely place. People think, oh, that's, you know, it's just something you say. But the truth is, you're, you do feel at times isolated because you're the only, you know, you're the owner of the business. You sort of have all that responsibility of all the people depending on your decision. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. And today, I mean, I have so many mentors. I don't know what I would do without them. I really don't. Mm -hmm. And that's the teachable moment, ladies and gentlemen, is even, uh, like you said, never stop seeking out mentors and listening to them because mm -hmm. um, I believe in diversity of experience and background too because it's really nice to be in the room with people who don't see the world necessarily the same way you do because they can sometimes force you to see your blind spots, which over time and success can actually create blind spots for you because you can start to believe your press clippings a little bit too. You said that perfectly, Rick. So... If someone wanted to learn more about your technology and your practice, how do they find OC Breast Wellness? Well, of course, we have um, both Facebook pages and a website at ocbreastwellness.com, which has videos and a ton of information. I mean, we post out there all the time. Every time we hear anything that's controversial or anything that, that supports us, we've got it out there. So both those sites, both Facebook and our website, have, have just a ton of, of good information. And then, of course, we consult for free. Anyone who wants to call us at 714-363-5595 can have a free consultation anytime. As you were explaining that, I would think, given the demographic, that social media, media, especially Facebook, has been a valuable tool for you, but I don't know that for a fact. That's just kind of my, my bias. Has Facebook been helpful for you to get your message out? Well, I'm going to tell you that I didn't think so until I recently did a lot of investigating and I finally hired myself someone from an intern from Fullerton College who's going to start with me next month and he's going to, he's going to get me the, you know, the, the local. See, I always thought that Facebook was not quite local, but he's going to get me the local coverage I need. I really need to stay in touch with cancer survivors, um, 
you know, all of the people who are, or wellness, anyone who has to do with alternative health care, doctors. I mean, there's just so many groups I have to stay in touch with. I can't do it on my own. So I finally hired someone, and I'm really looking forward to 2013. I'm so glad you said you did that because in my business, I've had the opportunity to work with several interns over the years, and I can't encourage the business owners that I work with enough to go out and find interns and young talent. It is amazing um, what they can bring to your business beyond just the, the specific experience that you're hiring them for. It's, just, it's such a valuable asset to the company. I'm sure you're going to going to get huge dividends for making that commitment to that intern. Yeah, you need so. to surround yourself with people who know more than you. <laughs> yes, and in my case, that's not that difficult. So, Janice, <laughs> I want to thank you for being on the program, being a friend of our program, and, and welcome to the critical mass business community here in Southern California, and I wish you continued sex, success with your latest venture. Have a good day. Well, thank you so much, Rick, and thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Goodbye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short commercial break, and then our second guest, Stephen Blythe of Blythe Co., is queued up, I understand, from the engineer, Paul, that Stephen is ready to go. So we'll be right back with him. So stay tuned to Critical Mass Radio Show. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in a series of Critical Mass Radio Shows. On Wednesday, we are our show featuring Orange County nonprofit organizations and their leaders. On Thursday at 3 p.m., our nationally syndicated show, Coast to Coast, features small business leaders from across the country. All shows can be heard live here on Internet Radio Station OC talkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher and other podcasting services all shows as well can be found from our website www.criticalmass4 that's F-O-R business.com since 1980 Blytheco has provided small firms with business management software they need to run smoothly, grow their business and ultimately achieve their goals Stephen Blythe joins me today to talk about his strategy for developing Blytheco into a nationwide success that serves a large spectrum of business needs and industries. Stephen, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's our pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about your background, Stephen. Can, can you tell our audience you know, what were you doing before Blytheco? Talk about your professional path to your firm. Sure. Well, you know, it goes back where my uh, parents basically instilled in me that the definition of success was telling your own business. And 
of course, being a young child, I didn't know what that was going to be. Um, but I figured that accounting was a, uh, a good background for understanding how, uh, how business has worked. So I got my accounting degree, and I joined uh, the firm of Price Waterhouse. Uh, did a couple of internships in, uh, in uh, 80, uh, 78, 79 time frame, then joined them as a permanent staff member in 1980. Moved to California, and unfortunately at the time there was a significant recession going on. So I started doing financial modeling and forecasting uh, with one of the partners there to uh, attract new clients. And uh, I had a staff of 24 people that was working with me on this particular forecast. We were all doing it manually on manual um, paper spreadsheets. And uh, I just recently bought an Apple II, and I would had this uh, product called VisiCalc. And so I spent a weekend taking this model that literally took 24 staff members a whole week to to go through to make a change. It was uh, one of these multi-leveled uh, organizations that we were doing it for. And uh, found out that we were about 20% off, which was you know multiple millions of dollars uh, on these forecasts. Uh, so we spent the next week validating the uh, the, the spreadsheet that I created in, in uh, two days. Um, and uh, and validated that, and then ended up purchasing uh, an Apple II and an Apple III for uh, for Price Waterhouse, and this was back in the days with VisiCalc and 48k worth of RAM and and, and stuff. So, um, one of the uh, companies that we were looking at was a company called State of the Art, which was a brand new uh, offshoot uh, that uh, had taken an MII Basic Four and ported it over to the PC. And just for for time reference here, um, back then the choices were really. Uh, paying $100,000 for a, uh, a, a mini computer uh, to $500,000 uh, to get a basic accounting product working. So the uh, state-of-the-art organization, which then later became Sage Software today, um, had uh, created this uh, product for about $10,000. So it was very, very cost-effective. And I started implementing this for some of our um, smaller uh, clients at Pricewaterhouse that we were looking to uh, to have grow into to being a standard uh, client. So. The recession uh, started to end, and and uh, at that point in time, I was told, "Hey, get back in the tax or audit. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere at Price Waterhouse." And uh, literally the next week, I got a phone call from Ernst and uh, Winnie, who said, uh, "Hey, we love what you've been doing. You've taken a couple of our prospects away from us uh, doing this financial forecasting and modeling. We'd like you to come over and do the same thing for for us." So uh, at that time, I left uh, Price, um, and I went to go uh, work for Ernst. And uh, basically, Blytheco was uh, was born in 1980 uh, out of uh, my work at Price Waterhouse and Ernst and Winnie, because back then CPAs weren't allowed to sell products um, to uh, to customers. So I set Blytheco up as a way to buy some of the computer products and software and be able to uh, sell those uh, to the um, to our clients, because it wasn't like there was a, a Fry's Electronics or a computer store or a Dell computer to go buy some of the, uh, these components from. They were uh, pretty much a called up. Uh, the manufacturer directly and bought them uh, directly. So, so what is Blythe Co. today then? How you you know? I said in the open, you're a nationwide success, and you're helping a full range of, of companies and customers. So, talk to us about Blythe Co. in today's terms, and what makes your firm different from others in your space? Sure. Well, you know, today um, Blythe Co. Um, is. Uh, is a company that has offices in nine states, and we have staff in 16 states. And today what we do is we implement business management systems, which is ERP, which is your basic accounting distribution manufacturing suites, CRM, customer resource management, HRMS, human resources, 
And uh, we do full system reviews, uh, selection processes, um, project planning uh, and management, business process reviews and optimization, uh, full implementation and support of the software products that uh, we implement, uh, reporting business intelligence, uh, and we also customize and in, uh, integrate that to any of the other uh, business tools that the company has. And in addition to our um, our business management system consulting and services, we also do marketing consulting and automation uh, for for marketing uh, programs and human resource consulting and just general business consulting. How has the recession affected that space, and what are you seeing as we move through and out of this recession for these small and mid-market companies relative to their information systems and their IT needs? Well, there's, there's two things that have occurred. Um, number one is, is that during a recession, uh, the last thing that businesses do typically is to replace their ERP uh, systems. So most companies have, have uh, set uh, tight associated with their current existing ERP package. Um, they have looked uh, for customizations, enhancements uh, to tailor their business processes, to automate processes, uh, to make things more efficient, uh, but they haven't been really replacing their ERP systems. The other side of the coin is on the CRM side, uh, customers are trying to uh, generate as much revenue and leads uh, as possible, so the marketing consulting, the uh, CRM side of our business uh, has grown during this period of time because customers are looking to be more efficient in the sales and marketing process. What, what we'll see, I think, as uh, we come out of the recession uh, and, and companies start to get more confident uh, in, in the economy, um, and, and obviously you know, businesses have been sh- shook by what's going on from a taxes point of view, of, from a uh, health care uh, point of view, and, and really as the recession over with, right, it's, uh, everyone's feeling uh, it's a little... Uh, stagnant as, as far as uh, any growth goes. So as soon as businesses um, feel comfortable, comfortable and confident again associated with the, uh, the economy, I think we're going to see a huge boom, probably similar to uh, the Y2K time frame for ERP. And that is because, in general, ERP cycles are about 10 years. So when someone buys an ERP package, they'll stick with it for about 10 years before they really evaluate um, whether now is a good time to switch to another package, either because their company's grown or because the technology shift has been uh, significant enough. So most companies went through that process, uh, and it kind of peaked uh, in uh, 1998, 1999 for the Y2K time frame. And so people went out of the buying phase for the, for the next five years or so. Then, uh, unfortunately, with this recession, what's happened is, is that uh, interrupted that normal 10-year cycle. So not only have we have got the, the last um, four years that have been um, kind of flat for ERP growth uh, just because people haven't been changing out systems, but we've also got the Y2K 10-year cycle that was interrupted as well. So I think as soon as businesses start um, expanding, moving forward, and, and getting um, confident with the economy, we're going to see a significant growth within set of the ERP space because there's a lot of pent-up demand for people to um, replace their ERP packages today. That makes a tremendous amount of sense. Um, and I, as you explained it, I could I could follow it perfectly. So th- thanks for that explanation. And that bodes well for firms like yours and others in your space in the future. Stephen, if you were talking to a business owner, say, of a $5 million manufacturing company or a $10 million manufacturing company who um, probably doesn't have the, uh, an ERP tool that really allows 
cause them to scale the business and to become more efficient. What would be the reason why you would suggest to them it's really in their long-term interest to consider updating and replacing their ERP system? What are the benefits that they'll get from putting a more modern system in place for their manufacturing company? Or it doesn't have to be a manufacturing company. I was just using them as an example. Sure. Well, for, for any business, um, you know, when you're, when you're a $1 million business, you manage your business by touch and feel. Um, you know, you know what kind of inventory you have because you walk through the warehouse to go to the bathroom. Uh, you know, you know what your customers are interested in because you talk to most of your customers. You are the primary salesperson uh, as, as the business, business owner. So you sign every check, you touch every transaction, and that's how a one to, one to you know, $5 million business really manages their business in most cases. Once you get past that and you need to uh, put in a, a management team, uh, you may have multiple locations, multiple facilities, um, you've got multiple managers. You're no longer touching every single transaction. You start to now have to manage by exception. So you put in policies, procedures, business processes, uh, and from that, um, you now uh, manage your business um, through those processes and through those exceptions. And that's really where an ERP package and the CRM package uh, uh, starts to uh, add significant value for the business. So the first thing you have to do is to, to really understand what your business processes are, uh, and then align those um, with um, your ERP package that you uh, uh, choose. And those processes um, then will allow you to manage your business um, via exception uh, and allow you to work on your business instead of working in your business as far as uh, from a transaction level. So now as a business owner, you're, you're managing by uh, reports and data intelligence and, uh, and, uh, and inquiries with inside of the system looking for trends, um, and looking for analysis there and exceptions to current business processes versus touching every single transaction and uh, reviewing things at a transaction level. Interesting. So that's, that's really where ERP um, really adds, to, add, adds real value to you know, in a business $5, 10000000 million and above. Okay. We're going to take our final commercial break, Stephen. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share with our audience the guiding principle or guiding principles that you've used and are currently using to lead and grow your firm. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds to hear Stephen's answer to that question and others here on Critical Mass Radio Show. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. 
these are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you haven't had a chance to see our latest venture in our new media division here at Critical Mass, that is Critical Mass TV. Uh, past episodes are available for viewing on our website and our YouTube channel. You can find all that at criticalmassforbusiness.com. We're now in production for our January show, which will feature the CEO and founder of Yogurtland. We concluded the interviews with him last week, and the production team is working on putting together the show. And we're quite excited to uh, share with you insights from Philip Chang, CEO and founder of Yogurtland, on the January episode of Critical Mass TV. But let's turn our attention back to Stephen Blythe of Blythe Co. Before the break, Stephen, I said I was going to ask you to talk about your guiding principle or principles. Would you be so kind as to share that with our audience? Well, absolutely. So, you know, um, Blythe Co. has an established list of, of values for our team uh, that includes integrity, resourcefulness, customer service attitude, teamwork, self-motivation, open communication, accountability, continuous learning, and respect. And so those are obviously our guiding principles uh, for myself and the organization. But one of the things that I think is also critical is to have um, work-life balance. And as a, as a, a starting entrepreneur, I worked uh, 24-7. And uh, it, uh, I, I found that I actually became the limiting uh, factor to our organization. So, you know, one advice I give entrepreneurs that I'm talking with is uh, make sure you go on vacation. And... Uh, you know, what I found is that when I went on vacation for one week, um, all of the problems were still on my desk uh, when I got back. And uh, so when I went on uh, vacation for two weeks, um, all of the small problems were gone, but all the big problems were still on my desk. When I went on vacation for three weeks at a time, uh, what I found is, is that the management team um, took ownership and, and, uh, and got the job done themselves, and, and that allowed me to, to work on my business instead of in my business um, giving uh, um, you know our management team the 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 ability for me to not have my hands in in absolutely everything they took ownership. So you know the key obviously hire good people, give them the authority and the resources to get the, um, their job done, and then uh, get out of their way. And I I found that the, the vacation principle is a great way to get out of their way and and uh, uh, make them take uh, ownership of of, uh, of their business units. That's fantastic. I uh, we've asked that. Question guiding principles, probably of 400 guests here on Critical Mass Radio Show. And some of what you said in your guiding principles have been echoed by other successful entrepreneurs. But I can tell you, Stephen, no one has suggested that they should take as an entrepreneur three weeks vacation, but it makes perfect sense when I hear how you position it. So thank you for giving us some new ground on Critical Mass Radio Show. Sure. And I, I think the last part is to, is to give back. Um, you know, the, it, it's very important, I think, to give back to your community, uh, to uh, share with less uh, less fortunates, and and uh, that's also a, a huge principle here at, uh, at Blythe Co. from a standpoint of uh, supporting our local community. Well, so some people may remember that you were on an earlier episode on on our nonprofit show talking about your Flying Doctors of Mercy and the organization that you support here, and so that's only one of the organizations that you directly support here in Orange County. Correct, and we're also very heavily involved in the American Cancer Society, Relay for Life, et cetera, 
In fact, I'm on their uh, CEO um, for cancer um, board. So. Okay. Uh, let's talk about how you've been able to compete in an industry where you have larger companies, maybe behemoths who are also elephants who are also kind of in your space. What, From your direct experience, can you describe how you've been able to use your advantage and what that was to compete against larger firms in your market space? Well, um, the advantage is, is as far as our market space today, we are uh, the, the big guy in the, in the room. So uh, we, are, we are one of the larger um, consulting businesses in the mid-market space. And I think you know, we got there because number one is is we started early. We were we started uh, in this industry at the very very beginning, and so that gave us uh, a lot of experience and um, background in order to uh, uh, stay ahead of uh, the curve and to to continue to grow um, our our business and become a large organization. So you know today we work with companies that are from one million to one billion. Our target market's in that twenty to three hundred and fifty million um, type of, uh, of range. And, um, you know, our, our differentiator really is, is our experience, which reduces our client's risk. So at, at the end of the day, what the client is hiring us for is to, is to minimize their risk. Changing out an ERP or CRM system is like having open-heart surgery while you're still trying to go to work in the, uh, during the day. Uh, it's, it's a very, very difficult uh, thing to do. It's, it's prone to significant risk and, and challenges. And, uh, you know, we do this every single day. We do hundreds of uh, implementations every year. And so, you know, while we never, after 30 years, could say we've seen it all, we sure have seen uh, 98% of it. And uh, and that allows us to minimize the risk to our customers. Um, so that's, that's, I think, why we've um, uh, been able to uh, grow successfully in this industry and to stay uh, relevant in this industry for the last 32 years is, that we, we provide that good quality customer service that minimizes their risk and the customers uh, stay with us and keep coming back for, uh, for additional services in the future. So I'm going to go off script a little bit. I, I want to ask you a question, and there's not a good answer for it. Maybe it's an unfair question, but it, it, just as I was listening to you talk, you, um, is it harder to get the momentum to get the market share and then be a dominant player, or is it harder to be a dominant player and maintain that market share? From your perspective, is there a, is is one different than the other, or are there equal challenges in both? Well, I, I think there there are equal but different challenges uh, in each one of those. When you're looking to gain market share, um, uh, sometimes that can be easier because you can move faster, you can be more uh, agile uh, as a smaller organization looking to grow, and. Uh, it, it definitely uh, allows you to uh, create a rally call for your team um, in order to grow, right? So when you're when you're uh, not number one, you can your rally cry is to be number one. When you are number one, sometimes you get complacent, and the company uh, it becomes uh, becomes a, a little bit harder to maneuver. Uh, and you also have a significant amount of risk associated with change yourself. And we see this in the software industry uh, with publishers as well, where um, you know, there becomes a, a, a brand new upstart that comes up. It has very innovative capabilities. Um, they they are very agile. They they meet um, customer needs. But as they start to grow their customer base, um, their their change has a tendency to become significantly slower and stagnant because their effects uh, not only 
are for their new customers, but, but any changes they make have negative impacts on their existing customers. So they, they become less agile, they become more uh, focused on their existing customer base than on uh, new customers. And uh, and so I think you know any company has those kind of challenges as they're growing. How do they how do they balance um, new customer acquisitions versus existing customer um, structures and and how they uh, provide those services? And when you've got a lot of existing customers that are that are, are utilizing the services you have, it's difficult to make those um, big sea changes and and uh, restructure your business, restructure the services that you're providing because you actually take away from your revenue stream um, during that 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 change process. One of the many joys of being the CEO of a, of a company is there always seems to be a set of challenges that set on your desk that only you really as the CEO have to, you know, ultimately make a decision on, which is, um, by the successful company leaders, we're great. We're so thankful to have those kind of people such as you here on the radio program because we can learn from, um, your experiences and hopefully as as others who are listening to Critical Mass Radio grow their firms to market dominance, they can reflect upon what you just said there, Stephen. Thank you. Final question for you here today on on the radio program: What's the future hold for Blyco? What you know? What where do you see the growth opportunities in the future? You talked a little bit earlier about the pent up demand for ERP in the marketplace, but what do you see the future growth opportunities for your firm? The beauty, I think, of our industry is this constantly changing. Um, you know, you shouldn't be in this industry unless you like change on a very regular basis. And right now, the industry is going through a significant uh, change. So today, you have a choice of on-premise or SaaS-based solutions, and SaaS is effectively a, it's a rental model. You don't own it. You're buying it as a, a rental service. And so a, a lot of the new innovative um, programs are all cloud-based or uh, not hosted or owned by yourself, but really a rental service that you pay uh, by use or by uh, employee per month um, kind of kind of uh, uh, purchase process, and so that's really tipped our um, our company, uh, our industry um, on its head. It's, it's it really changed the way we do business. It changes uh, our revenue models. It changes our recurring um, revenue structures, and it also changes the way we provide our services. And the, the concept of having to have a consultant within a couple of miles of where the customer is is no longer uh, a requirement because all of these SaaS-based products are all centrally located someplace in the world um, and not even in the United States. And so being where the software is is no longer uh, a requirement. And, and so it, it really allows us to change that whole model and, and redesign who we are. And we're really going through that, that process as we speak. We started uh, a, a, an internal initiative called Blythco 3.0, which was really a way for us to go through all of our business processes, all of our internal systems, and redesign them from the ground up as if we were going to start a, a new business today. Um, and we're, we're going through that process uh, to, to really invigorate our, our internal teams and to in, invigorate our, our business for uh, the, the future uh, ahead of us with uh, SaaS-based products. So um, we've always been one of Sage's uh, top partners and we've been we're, we're honored to be their partner of the year again this year being the, being their top partner um, but we've uh, taken on a, a handful of uh, SaaS based products so now when our customers come to us and say well hey should we be in a SaaS environment or on premise um, we can we can say hey we can offer both of those for you really let's get back down to what your business needs and business requirements are and then the platform in which we deliver those 
um, is, is really a secondary component, really what's, what's the most important aspect is what are those business needs and ha- what's the best solution for those, and then define that around the platform and look at a secondary uh, level. It is really interesting to me that how technology has brought the price points of really sophisticated business solutions to small and mid-market companies. It is, you're on the front end of that. You have been for 32 years. It is amazing the type of systems that mid-market companies can now deploy inside their firms to give them really, like you said, critical business information to allow them to make better quality decisions and know when their company is kind of getting out of phase much earlier than maybe in the past they were ever able to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you take you take a look at what's available today um, that wasn't even available to even larger companies three years ago. And so a, a small company, uh, someone who's agile and, and is willing to uh, take a risk in changing some of their business processes and systems around can really get a significant value and a, a significant competitive edge um, by uh, implementing some of these uh, new products and services that are available today. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. And that's why I love this industry. Um, you know, I get to do two things. One is I get to take a look at other people's businesses. I see what their strengths, what their weaknesses are, and then I get to apply those back to our other customers and clients. And number two is, is that it's never the same thing. Every cus- customer and every client is different. Uh, every uh, type of uh, business is different, and their software needs and requirements are different. And the software, you know, by the time it actually hits the street, it's already obsolete. Uh, there's always something coming out every six months or a year uh, that, that's different and, and, uh, and adds new feature functionality that we can then uh, offer to all of our clients. So if someone wants to go to your website and learn more about Blytheco, how do they find you online, Stephen? Uh, www.blytheco.com. That's B-L-Y-T-H-E-C-O. Thank you for being a friend of the program, sharing a little bit about your experiences and knowledge as an entrepreneur here of a successful company in Orange County, and welcome to the Critical Mass Business Community. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you. My, my Happy pleasure. holidays to you and your, and your listeners. Thank you. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, two entrepreneurs who have built successful organizations here in Southern California and have, uh, in Stephen's case and in Janice's case earlier, extended their brands across the country. I Really feel fortunate to have both guests on the program today, and I'd like to thank our sponsors who make it all possible, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. Our engineer for today's show was Paul Roberts. Our producer is Aaron Johnson. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltas, and our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, then visit our website, which is criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until the next show, I hope that all of your decisions move your company in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass. The radio show, only on OCTalkRadio.net.